Greetings and welcome to another edition of the Thinking Spatially podcast series. The Thinking Spatially podcast series, where we think spatially across space, across time, and across scales, from local to global scales. Thanks for being with me. Joseph Kursky here, geographer, educator, GIS professional, on this edition of the Thinking Spatially podcast. Today's episode... The Northwest Ordinance Act, Surveying and Settling the Land. The Northwest Ordinance Act, Surveying and Settling the Land. Imagine suddenly having hundreds of thousands of square miles of land and having to come up with a plan for who would own that land. Such was the situation that the United States had after the Revolutionary War was finally over. Over 260,000 square miles or 670,000 square kilometers, had been assigned to the United States by the 1783 Treaty of Paris, which ended the war. This area lay northwest from the 13 new states, across the Appalachian Mountains, covering all of present-day Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, Wisconsin, and part of northeastern Minnesota. The Congress of the Confederation enacted the Northwest Ordinance in 1787, and later affirmed by the new U.S. Congress to administer these territories and to set rules for admission of lands there as states. Before the Revolutionary War, the British had prohibited settlement west of the Appalachians in 1763 to prevent American colonists' interests and to further their own. In February 1779, George Rogers Clark of the Virginia Militia older brother of William Clark of the Lewis and Clark expedition, captured Kaskaskia and Vincennes from the British commander Henry Hamilton. Virginia then laid claim to the territory, only relinquishing it in 1784 with the establishment of the U.S. Congress. Other states had claimed parts of it as well, but fearful of competition from other states who who could otherwise grow and tip the balance of power, States one by one ceded their claims to the federal government in exchange for ratifying the Articles of Confederation. As a result, the Northwest Territory became public land owned by the U.S. government, and it, along with territory that would be added later, would be administered administered by the government, rather than bought by wealthy individuals or claimed by competing states. The U.S. government was deeply in debt following the war and had little power to tax, so it was decided to sell these new lands to pay off the debt. In order for the land to be settled and owned by individuals, and according to Jefferson's vision, they were to be yeoman farmers' lands. The land first had to be accurately surveyed, though, according to an established system. Furthermore, the division of land into small lots was to avoid the concentration of land ownership to promote an agrarian republic. The Ordnance Act established the Public Land Survey System, or PLSS, to accomplish this Herculean task of surveying and mapping in order to eventually assign ownership to the farming settlers. Rather than using the meets and bounds system of local markers and boundaries drawn by humans, often based on topography and local landmarks such as trees, road junctions, and hills, the PLSS followed straight lines and cardinal directions. Thus, it also became known as the Rectangular Survey System, and the Northwest Ordnance Act as the Rectangular Survey. The beginning point of the PLSS is on the Ohio-Pennsylvania border near East Liverpool, Ohio, from which all of Ohio was eventually surveyed. 
Lands were surveyed off of a major north-south line, called the Principal Meridian, and a major east-west line called the Baseline. Sections of states, sometimes entire states and sometimes multiple states, were surveyed, surveyed off of a single principal meridian and baseline. At a defined distance, usually 24 or 30 miles, standard parallels were established parallel to the baseline. The land was then divided into survey townships of 6 miles by 6 miles, encompassing 36 square miles. Each of the square miles was called a section. Each section was divided into quarter sections, or 160 acres, and usually into quarter-quarter sections of 40 acres, which was typically the smallest piece of land that a homesteader could purchase. Lands were described as an aliquot part, A-L-I-Q-U-O-T, aliquot part, such as a single 40-acre parcel, in terms similar to the following. The southwest one-quarter of the northwest one-quarter of Section 20, Township 4 North, Range 10 West, 6th Principal Meridian. The system was applied to the Louisiana Territory, Mexican Session, and Oregon Territory, eventually to the entire remainder of the United States, even to Alaska, with a few exceptions, some Spanish and Mexican land grants, Hawaii, and some long lots in Michigan and Louisiana. Texas had its own system based on a hybrid of Spanish land grants and a variation of the PLSS. The Ordnance Act was a revolution to the discipline of geography and upon the cultural and physical geography of the land. Though the system did not make allocations for local topography, which made surveying and lot lines along straight lines challenging, to say the least, in mountains and canyons, the system was inherently geographical. Meridians and baselines were along lines of longitude and latitude, respectively. Somewhat complicating the matter was that this was done before the 1884 International Meridian Conference, and some of the maps used a meridian running through Washington, D.C. instead of the line running through Greenwich, England. Surveys were conducted with the highest precision possible, using sextants, chains, and links, and other instruments at first, followed by theodolites and plane table surveying, and finally GPS. Surveyed points were marked with permanent monuments such as piles of stones, steel pipes with caps, brass, benchmarks, and other markers. You can still see these markers on the landscape today, folks. The techniques perfected in these surveys were used in many other locations around the world, for example, the Trigonometric Survey of India, advancing the science of cartography the world over, as well as advancing human knowledge of the land. With the survey and land ownership system, the settlement of the interior of the United States proceeded at a rapid pace. Indeed, by 1890, the superintendent of the U.S. Census announced that due to rapid settlement, there, quote, can hardly be said to be a frontier line, end quote. Historian Frederick Jackson Turner, just three years later, argued that the conquest of the western frontier had shaped the nation's character and values. Surveying and mapping became tied to exploration, being a chief activity of Lewis and Clark, Hayden, Pike, and other explorers of the 19th century. The act also helped shape how people viewed the land as something to be owned, cared for, and organized in a way and to an extent that had not occurred in this way before. The act established the first public domain of the United States and affected political geography and history. Freedom of religion, right to trial by jury, no cruel and unusual punishment, and other guarantees of the U.S. Constitution and the Bill of Rights were anticipated by the Northwest Ordinance. 
New states would be created from the public lands to be added to the Union in full equality to the original 13 states when a population of 60,000 had been achieved. <laughs> 60,000, you got to love that. Ohio was the first in 1803. Slavery was forbidden for the Northwest Territory, thereby making the Ohio River a boundary between the free and slave-holding portions of the United States until after, well, until the Civil War. International boundary issues, settlement laws, the attraction of immigrants, population growth, the discovery of mineral and energy resources were all shaped by the Ordnance Act and the PLSS. These also influenced education. Every township was required to maintain one section for public buildings and education. Many schools today are still located in Section 16 of their respective townships. Where they don't exist, the school sections had been sold to raise money for public education. The Act and PLSS also played a major role in shaping settlement patterns through the funding of the allocation of land for railroad building, which had a great influence on the location of towns. Later, through the funding of interstate highways and a system of eminent domain, compulsory purchase of private land for government use, the Act and PLSS had great influence on commerce and 20th and 21st century settlement patterns. The U.S. government funded dams and other water projects, which made possible major cities, such as Phoenix, Las Vegas, and Los, An Los Angeles. The water problems were far from over. Indeed, they factored into major environmental concerns by the 21st century as part of the environmental movement. The Act and PLSS also led to the establishment of national parks, wildlife refuges, forests, forests and grasslands. For example, land conservation. Public lands have become a national treasure. With the boundaries of cultivated fields, pastured ranches, the roads that bounded these fields, and the subsequent streets of towns and cities, the public land survey system became entrenched or etched onto the land. It is an unmistakable part of the American landscape, and the landscape of some of Canada and other countries have, that have adopted rectangular systems as well. And today, it is still a U.S. federal agency, the Bureau of Land Management, that controls the surveying, sale, and settling of public lands. If you live in the USA or Canada, chances are the route you took to your place of work or campus today was along one of these section lines. The Northwest Ordinance Act had a profound influence on the cultural geography of the United States, including land division and transportation, transportation networks, on surveying and mapping, and on the subsequent sense of place of those who settled on the vast regions of land affected. And also, this Public Land Survey System, or PLSS, and the Northwest Ordinance Act that we are discussing today, obviously and profoundly had a profound effect on the Native people living in those areas, the Northwest Territories and beyond. Their lives would be forever altered by the settlement of these lands. Joseph Kursky here with you, hoping that this discussion provided some food for thought and some consideration of how people viewed land ownership from Native Americans to settlers to others. And I'm hoping that this sparks some good discussion with your coworkers and or your students today. Thanks for being with me.